Good afternoon. This is the Tom Bernard Show. This is Cassie Schrader filling in for Tom. And to the left of me, we have... Zainab Johnson. Hey, everybody. Shy. What's happening? Melissa Kirk. And Andy Rappernard. Again, it's me, Cassie Schrader. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll have some more with Zainab at House of Comedy this weekend. So we'll be right back. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. It's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? uh, Either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Walzer Automotive continues to grow. They think it's because of their upfront pricing, no haggle or hassle sales experience. And working with one person from start to finish. I think we all know it's because of the loyal podcast listeners. I've said it a million times before. I won't endorse a company that I don't believe in, and Walzer's no exception. I've bought several cars from them, as has my family. I know what you're thinking. Tommy got some special deal. Well, the truth is we paid the Walzer best price just like everyone else. Walzer will sell about 35,000 cars this year, and you can't do that if your prices aren't great. Do yourself a favor. When it's time to shop for a new or used car, go to walzer.com and give them a shot. You won't be sorry. Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com. What the hell is this? It's Prince. Doves Cry. (laughs) Oh, this is Doves Cry? Yeah, you didn't know that? I guess I've never heard the intro before. I could listen to Prince 24-7 and never get sick of it. I went to one of his free concerts. In did LA, you? Not free. When it, he did like these like um, $10 concerts uh-huh. um, and at the Forum in L.A. And it was great. And the seats is like $20 or $10 and you sit anywhere, you know. Mm. And I got right in the front and it was great. Uh, we had on the same outfit, but I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I saw Prince once and he is the same size as me. Yeah. Like height. You know, I probably have wider hips yeah. than he does. And, yeah, I could probably fit into his clothes, too. I went to the Paisley Park after he passed away, mm-hmm. and it was amazing inside there. And he used to do a lot of those free concerts. He would just, And he would just put it out on social media. Mm-hmm. So if you didn't follow him, you had no clue. Mm-hmm. See, I'm bittersweet with that Paisley Park thing. Why? Because he was against half of what's happening. Like, he was all for the bringing people, but the whole drinking and the big party, party, party of it, he wasn't with that. Yeah. So I'm kind of like, uh, why are we doing this? Why are we going through his vaults? Why are we bringing all this stuff out? of You know, it's personal, and 
putting it out. I don't know. You know what, though, what I'm on the fence about, uh, the last wish right before the... Like, when a person passed, does it matter what they wanted? I know that sounds, like, disrespectful, but mm-hmm. it's like... Yeah, yeah, I guess I'm bad one with that one. I just, I don't know. It's, it's nobody yet has presented me an argument why it like matters how what happens. So for me, I had to bring it home, right? Like to 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 kind of I guess understand it. So if my mom, let's say that, God forbid, but mm-hmm. we all know it's inevitable, right? So if my mom was on her her deathbed and said, "These are my wishes. I want to be whatever," you know. Am I going to honor them or am I going to say, well, I don't agree with that? Like my wife, for mm-hmm. instance, she wants to be cremated. I refuse. I don't care. The mountain top of uh, something in one of these movies she likes, she wants to get blown off of that. <laughs> I'm not cremating you and you're mm-hmm. not, you know what I mean? But it's like, so, but my mom, I'm going to go with whatever your last wishes are. So uh-huh. I don't know. I'm... Well, from what I gather, Prince was planning on turning Paisley Park into a museum even when he was still with the us. museum part of it's fine it's the yeah. alcohol and all of that that he was mm-hmm. against that's that they true had yeah. going on you know what i mean I it's really really bothering yeah i i can't remember what kind of alcohol he was against they, the alcohol thing altogether yeah because i know when you go to the end of the tour you can have food you know purchase food and everything you can buy pancakes and uh right. and they I, I can't remember I, when they first did it they didn't offer the alcohol and stuff oh now, so now it's okay. now that they're doing it because it was they profitable just, now they, exactly they decided to make more money off of it to put in alcohol yeah because mm. when i went there i was wearing hills so i was not gonna drink because that would have been a disaster <laughs> <laughs> my my husband laughs when i'm wearing heels it's bad enough i look like a baby giraffe trying to walk and imagine putting alcohol on top of that I'd, it would be I would end up as a Vine video for sure. So <laughs> I think some people's last wishes are just impractical for the living. Yeah, you know, like what? and it's we if you look at it from other perspectives, like there might have been somebody who owns a bunch of slaves. It was like, don't let those slaves go. Mm-hmm. Whatever you do, and then it's like you can't wait for the person to die, so you can actually change, change the very thing that they are dead set on while they're living. You know? Okay. In that so aspect, like, I could go with you. I mean, that, you <laughs> know, it's like, what if I'm waiting for you to die? To, you know? All right, I could go with. It's alcohol, hard, it's hard being, alcohol being served is a little bit different, but I'm just saying, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, my it's not, but... my mom. She told me since I carry when I was young. She always said that when she passes, she wants to be cremated and her ashes put in the Atlantic Ocean because she's from North Carolina. She loved the beach. So last September we lost my mom. So and she was living in North Carolina. So we got her cremated. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I don't want a funeral. I don't want a wake. I don't want to make a big deal. Just you know, whatever. So we cremated. What kind of lady? Her. Yeah, <laughs> she wanted to go as yeah. cheap as possible. <laughs> Funerals are they're brutal. Expensive. They're expensive yeah, and they're I'm sad. Still, I buried my son oh. in March. And I mean, you could spend dude, easily 15000 on yeah. a funeral. Oh, yeah, I know. Trust me. Yeah. And that's, and that's, that's bizarre. the cheapest route. That is just bizarre to me. Trust so me. I'm like, so so we got her cremated and we brought her to the beach. And, of course, it was a day after a tropical storm. <laughs> so the tides were high. My sister and I are trying to get my mom's ashes in the ocean, and we're cracking up and laughing. But this is something my mom would have been laughing about, too. And we're trying to get her 
pour her out <laughs> into the ocean and it's windy. Everywhere. Well, then the waves kept coming up, so I had to close the bag up so my mom wouldn't get wet and turn to <laughs> cement. And we're just laughing and having, you know, and I think... That was a good moment. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was sad, you know, but we knew this was what my mom wanted. So we just tried to honor her wishes mm-hmm. and did the best we could under the circumstances. Cause and it she was... made you laugh. Yes, she did. Mm-hmm. She made me laugh, even dumping her <laughs> into the Atlantic. Well, my my dad, when they were still married, she always said, you know, she wanted to be in the Atlantic Ocean. My dad's like, I'll just flush you down the toilet. You'll eventually You'll get, there get there. Sometime. Right, right. That's me with There's, my wife. That was my family like climbing no mountain to blow yeah. your ashes. Yeah. <laughs> no. So, um, Zaynab's going to be at the House of Comedy this weekend. Let's see. i got to pull up the calendar again. Um, you have a Friday night. Tonight is at 730 and 945. Mm-hmm. A Saturday show, 7 and 9.30, and then you're going to be on Sunday, too, at 7 p.m. Yes, yes, yes. It's unusual, because so usually it's 8 and 10.30, right? That's usually Acme, I think. Hey, yeah, man, who team you on? <laughs> I worked at the House of Comedy, but that was like seven, eight years ago. So. Trader over there. I've, I've seen kind of adjustments here and there. I think, is the there change. more adjustments in the wintertime? The times? Yeah. I don't know yet. Oh, you oh know. that's true. Yeah, because you've only been working there for like two months. Yeah, right. Well, I know. I know comedy here in the wintertime is huge mm-hmm. because yep. people want to get out, but they can't be, be outside. outside. Yeah. So they cold. always go to places where they can go indoors and have a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but you, it's beautiful outside. Yeah, summer is like a slow season for comedy most places, yeah. mm-hmm. um, except like New York. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I'm not used Chicago. to Chicago. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's but places like. Minneapolis is definitely a slow yeah. season. Now, where are you from? New York. Oh, you are from? Uh-huh. Oh, I think I read that. You were from uh, Harlem, right? Yeah, I was born in Brooklyn, but I grew up in Harlem. But oh, I live cool. in L.A. Oh, do you? Mm-hmm. Okay. so it's multicultural. No, mm-hmm. I've heard Harlem has changed quite a bit in a the lot. last, like, 20 years. Mm-hmm. So is it going to become more like Brooklyn, like, more like hipsters and the, the millennial... Mille, oh, God, I can't talk today. Words are hard. Millennials. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Are they kind of filtering in? And Yeah, but Brooklyn... It's funny people say, like, has it changed more like Brooklyn? Harlem was the first one to see mm-hmm. the change. Oh, really? Brooklyn followed its lead. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, but Harlem was the first to gentrify to... Hmm. Yeah. Oh, okay. Brooklyn... I, I I lived in Brooklyn. I lived in Williamsburg when one year when I was in college. Although now Williamsburg talk is about hipsters. hipsters, yeah, yeah. But when I lived there, which was not twenty years, it was ten years ago at mm-hmm. best, and it was only Spanish people, Black people, and Hasidic Jews. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So, I, I I want to go to New York so yeah. bad. I've never been there, and I just love all the. It's I mean, such the, a short trip. You got to get there. I know. I just it's such a hard we have you know yeah. we were talking about how many kids we have together and so just trying to get you out to go to a movie yeah. just my husband and I is yeah difficult so trying to plan a vacation around yeah. you know I can imagine because I'm starting my show off these days with parents keep your babies off the planes so yeah. I understand <laughs> I know I completely well, luckily all the kids understand. are older my young the youngest out of all of them is my son Max he's six. Oh, okay so, and everyone's like, oh, do you want to have another one and make it an even dozen? I'm like, no. <laughs> I have, I mean, luckily, some of Dave's kids are adults and not living in the home and everything. But, yeah, we love having a big family. Mm-hmm. You grew up in a big family. That yeah, I'm I one read. of 13. Mm-hmm. 13. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. How, now, I only had one sister, but now I'm seeing the dynamic with multiple mm-hmm. kids in my house. How was it for you, you growing up with are you so 12 other siblings 12 other siblings i'm a middle child i have five sisters i have seven brothers um 
I don't know anything outside of that. So I don't even, I know how to share. I know mm-hmm. for things to not be about me. Yeah. <laughs> I know how to get lost in the shuffle. I, you know, which is probably why I enjoy stand-up so much. I just stand up there alone now, for an you, hour. <laughs> did you, but did you do find um, some of your comedic influences inter- like growing up in that big family and then trying to interact with so many different personality because every kid's got a different personality yeah we, we all have different personalities i can't i really can't say that i developed like some sort of funny mm-hmm. skill or something being a part of a large family i i honestly don't know i don't remember people saying that i was funny when i was younger oh. i went my first tv appearance was on comic view and my younger brother my, my family drove to atlanta to the taping and my younger brother said he was the most nervous he had ever been in his life and i'm like why and he's like because i don't remember you being funny oh no <laughs> <laughs> oh, and he funny. was like, and then the moment you got out, that he said the first thing that you said, it was so funny. He was like, oh my God, my sister is funny. Like, who would have known? Oh, but funny. then people who talked to me from like high school and college, they're like, you were always funny. Mm-hmm. You always told a good story. I'm like, <sighs> yeah, sometimes, you know, it's probably just natural for you to, to be that way mm-hmm. and you just don't realize it. Yeah. I, my, Maybe you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. I know. Maybe. Apparently, I do funny things all the time, too, because, you know, my husband will start laughing. I'm like, what? What did I do? Mm-hmm. And he'll tell me. I'm like, oh, <laughs> you know, so I do things like <laughs> yeah. that. And you yeah. just don't realize it. Yeah. Um. So and I also read that you were a teacher. Mm-hmm. Now, what kind of te- were you? Math and science. Math and science. Mm-hmm. What grade? Uh, science, I did uh, one through six in math. I did six. Oh, sixth grade. Mm-hmm. How was that? <laughs> It wasn't my I, intentionally I was doing it for high school like I wanted to teach high school but then when I did my student teaching the teacher was asked to uh redo the math textbook that year and so he left so it was an easy position to fill so that's mm-hmm. how I got there um it was I preferred the like 6th graders over like 1st graders oh really 1st graders were gross right. yeah 6th <laughs> yeah, like, graders are like they're like fully functioning like yeah. Human beings, first graders, they like they like masturbate all day, but you don't even know that they're I know that sounds crazy to say the kids I know, they're, they're but weird. they just sit there and like play with themselves. Or they're yeah, they're st- they still have that preschool yeah, attitude. Yeah, they either got their hands in their pants or their nose or their mouth. It's like yeah. something has to hold their hands. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, yeah, because we have now we have a couple sixth graders going to become sixth graders this year, and then my youngest is going to be in first grade. So yeah, yeah, we have that range from still like acting like a preschooler to teenagers, like prepubescent teenagers. Oh my god, and the the attitudes that go around our house is just. I don't know how I, I could never be a teacher. Yeah, it's hard. I, I, when I first moved to L.A., I was teaching arts um, an arts program to like seventh graders. Mm-hmm. And that was probably the most difficult because you really try and get them to understand like this moment mm-hmm. is so minuscule. Right. In the grand scheme of life. Oh, I know. But for them, it's it everything. is the begin all and end all of their existence in that moment. And it, I mean, it could be something trivial. Oh, I know. Like, and you just have to get the. I mean, even I have my opinions. Like, you know, like the girl who was the most popular girl. I didn't get it. I was mm-hmm. like, who chose her? Right. I know. <laughs> I, but as a win? teacher, you can't say that. As a teacher, you just. Yeah. You know, you got to promote everybody, like, you know, try and be their their best selves. But anytime she was difficult, I wanted to say, 
You're yeah. going to get a rude awakening. Oh, I know. I tell soon, and I can't wait. I know. I tell that to, you know, my stepdaughters because they're, you know, I have a 14-year-old and oh, soon yeah, to be 12. Oh, yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, like if something, you know, goes wrong, it's the end of the world. Yeah. And they're all, I'm like, just brush it off. You're yeah. fine. But then, you know, they get these attitudes and I'm like, one day, mm-hmm. one day you're going to say that to the wrong person. Yeah. And you're going to get your butt kicked or slapped. So I, you know. I remember my mom not getting me these sneakers. And like, it's so many of us, we were poor. Mm-hmm. Like just the fact that I had sneakers, I, sh- I should have recognized as a gift, but I wanted some specific like Nike Air Maxes and my mm-hmm. mom would not let me get them. And I remember thinking, I just got to die. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I just got to die. Life isn't worth it. And now when I look back at that moment, Mm -hmm. I'm like. Oh, I know. They're like. I do it all the time. I just, I I remember being that age, but I don't remember being that dramatic about things. And I'm like, was I really like that? Because there's been times I would call up my parents after raising kids and I would apologize mm-hmm. and you both be yep. like I'm so sorry for whatever I did because now you know I'm reaping what mm-hmm. I sowed now my kids are acting this way and it drives me bananas but yeah, yeah. um but so uh we're going to be going to break here in about 30 seconds okay. but I want you to mull it over what were some of your comedic influences growing up especially in New York because that's such a you know saturated comedy town and a lot of great people you know come out of there chicago even here too in minneapolis yeah so i just want to know what kind of comedic influences because i saw um you were on deaf comedy jam all deaf comedy yeah the no, newer version the newer version yeah. okay because i was like was that show still on because i used to yeah, watch no. the old version yeah uh R- russell simmons oh, version did Huh? It's still Russell Simmons. It's all the same, but it's just a, a different name. Oh, okay. okay. All yeah. right. Well, we're going to take a quick break. We'll come, by, come back and we'll talk about that. Okay. All right. Tom Bernard Show. Tom Bernard here with the founder and CEO of North American Banking Company, Michael Bilski. He's here to talk about a great service and an app that you can get because you're a customer of North American Banking Company. It's called XCheck. All right, Michael, my friend, how do you get it? What's the situation? Do I need it? Why is it cool? All that stuff. It's an application that we designed to compete with the national applications out there for person-to-person payments. You can get it at the Apple Store or the Android Store. It's for payments that you want to make when you don't have cash. If you want to pay the kid who shovels your driveway, if you want to settle up a dinner check, if you want to settle up a bet on the golf course, when you don't have cash, you can use the app. The payment will settle directly into the payee's account literally the same day. This is Tom. Why not bank with my banker? And X-Check, I'm going to get it today. North American Banking Company. Celebrating 20 years of providing a better banking experience. Member FDIC and an equal housing lender. Did you know that about 60% of people over the age of 60 are starting to experience cloudy, blurry, or dim vision due to cataracts? Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Eye Care. Whiting Clinic is best known for their fabulous LASIK results. You've heard me rave about them for years, but did you know they're also experts in cataract surgery? Yes, indeed, and I'm here to tell you about my wonderful experience having cataract surgery at Whiting Clinic. I'm at that age when my vision started to fade, so I called up the folks at Whiting Clinic. They helped me out right away. My cataract surgery was super easy, and thanks to the Whiting Clinic, my vision is top-notch once again. Whiting Clinic has the most advanced lens technology options, so I can see far away and up close without wearing any glasses. If you want to learn more about your options for cataract surgery or clearer vision, 
Attend one of Whiting Clinic's cataract seminars. Call Whiting Clinic at 855-554-2020 to RSVP today. That's 855-554-2020 to learn more about your cataract surgery options at Whiting Clinic. I am still living with your ghost. Whatever happened to Everclear? Right. Mm, that's a good <laughs> I question. I thought they were a pretty good band. <laughs> they just kind of went away. They were hot for about two years, and then where'd they go? <laughs> well, Everclear burns quick. Yeah. Okay, Birds. well, we're here with uh, Zainab Johnson, and she's going to be at House of Comedy this weekend. Uh, before we went to break, we were talking about some of her comedic influences growing up, especially in New York, Harlem, and in that area, so... Um, who were your influences growing up? Uh, I mean, the first comedy special I ever saw was Raw. Okay. Um, and I don't know how I saw that because I feel like I saw it like <laughs> 10 years after it came out. Yeah. Um, and But when I saw it, I wasn't like, ooh, you can be a comedian for work. Mm-hmm. I think I just thought, that guy's famous. And mm-hmm. like famous people do whatever he's mm-hmm. doing, you yeah. know? Um, and then... and. When I was in college, I used to go to, like, the Boston Comedy Club and the Comedy Cellar, and I would see people, like, every week, like Bill Burr, um, a guy named Talent, Keith Robinson, I'd see Godfrey, I'd see just a but like, David, I'd see a bunch of, like, those, like, New York comedians, Yeah. and I don't know if they influenced me, because I never knew I wanted to do comedy, but mm-hmm. I really enjoyed them. Yeah. Now, I... I wouldn't say one person influences me. Oh, okay. So it's no. kind of like a mixture, just kind of like... It's like everybody, and like I learn from the good and the bad. So what was the moment that you thought comedy was going to be your outlet? I mean, what was it like a trigger, like... I want to do that. I um so eight years ago because August made eight years. Um, mm-hmm. I was working for a guy who produced. Thank you. I was working for a guy who produced shows at the Comedy Store in L.A. And every week we were booking this big show, and there were never really. We may have had like three fe- females come mm-hmm. do the show, and that's like what six times like that's what like forty eight weeks of. Mm-hmm. Um, no, six times four is what? 24. 24. <laughs> um, 24 weeks of lineups. I told you. you I know? Don't get math. And I just said I had a degree in math. <laughs> I can't do math in my head to save um, my life. But yeah, we didn't see. It's like we were booking the same guys over and over, but we wouldn't have like different women. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I sat there and recognized that like consciously, but I think subconsciously it did something to me. And then the day I quit, I just went to my first open mic. Oh, wow. And it just, it wasn't a production. Like, it wasn't, I didn't talk to a bunch of people. I didn't run it by people. It just, it was just like a thought. I did, and I'm like that. Mm-hmm. I'm just that type of person. If I think of something, I'll do it. Yeah. You know, like, I used to have a shaved head. It wasn't like, <gasps> okay, I'm yeah. going to shave my head. It was like, no, I just woke up one day, and I did it, and now it's done. Yeah, well, and, yeah. look where you're and at Comedy now. was, yeah. And I wasn't bad. I think if I sucked at very early on, I would have probably stopped because mm-hmm. I didn't know 
Like, I, I realized I loved it through doing it, mm-hmm. but I never sat back like, that's something that I want to do. You know, like, when you when you have that, it gives you motivation. Like, okay, well, I'm bad now, but I'm going to keep going because eventually I'll get good. Mm-hmm. I think I had no attachment to it, really. So if I sucked that first day, it would have been the first and last day. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, yeah, so you really took a leap. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously it's working because you're still around. Now, what was the moment, like, what when you did a performance that you knew that you have made it because I mean you you didn't go into Mm -hmm. it thinking you know this is going to be a career for me I'm just going to try it if it works out it works out but then you know as you progress it's like wow I've actually made it you know what I mean I don't think I've ever had that thought oh you have wow I made it Mm -hmm. Um, because I also look at my bank account and be like (laughs) (laughs) you could go further um <laughs> but I do have moments where I recognize how good I am. Okay. And probably hmm the first time the first time I don't know if I ever like now I watch my it used to be very hard for me to watch my tapes. Mhm. Um just cuz we're so critical of ourselves. Like just yeah. hearing my own voice and watching myself, I couldn't even think about the jokes. I'm like, "Why'd you wear that shirt?" You yeah. know like <laughs> Why are you um, making that or face why did you on stage? Yeah. <laughs> like, why are you doing that? Ooh, who knew? I remember the first time I ever heard myself on an um, answering machine. I hated it. I was <laughs> devastated. I was like, is that what I sound like? I know. I did the same too. thing, too, because I have a heavy Minnesota accent. Yeah. And, and I, don't, I know. But I don't hear it. So when I hear myself back you know listening back i'm like oh my god do i really sound like a church lady Mm -hmm. at a lutheran church about to serve tater tot casserole i mean that's how i feel i'm just like oh my god so i can't stand listening to myself talk yeah but yeah i get what you're saying but you can tell by people's reactions like i I started realizing it when i get off stage i would get two well three things happen one i started getting things very early Mm -hmm. and early in terms of the career of comedy and usually when that's happening it's because you're either really good or you fuck somebody and i fuck nobody can we curse yeah you can (laughs) i can edit it out (laughs) (laughs) he moved really quick like i did something wrong you know trying to find it and be here all night editing (laughs) but yeah um Guys would come up to me and say, I normally don't think women are funny, but you are so funny. And that's not a compliment, but I get that they think that it is. And then the third thing that would happen a lot of times (laughs) is I would get off stage and um, writers, other comedians, show producers would say, who's writing your material? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then I didn't even know that that was it. I thought that the whole purpose of stand up was because it's supposed to come yeah. from you mm-hmm. um, and I'd be like no, me and they'd be like oh we gotta bring her in for a meeting cause yeah. if she can think of that maybe she could think of some other you know mm-hmm. so then I knew like oh okay yeah cause I, I mean when I was younger the, there were, weren't that many female comedians that were really good in my opinion my maybe. I mean we had yes but then you had like Joan Rivers who was fantastic and I mean there's there's a couple that are stand out to me but I don't know. Um, probably I, the first really good uh, comedian, female comedians, was like seeing them on Deaf Comedy Jam or Comic View. 
then it really clicked that women are actually really doing this and they're doing it on their own. They're mm-hmm. not having people write for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Monique to me was real funny. Mm. I, 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 is she even doing anything anymore? I don't know. I yeah, she's not... been in like media. I mean, it's been all bra- bad press, but it's I'm she's like, there. She's yeah. Oh, really? I haven't. Just <laughs> turn me off for her. Yeah, like, wow, the biggest thing is she's been trying to get. Do you remember? I don't know if you. The Netflix. Yeah, Netflix. She was upset that Netflix didn't want to offer her the amount no. that she felt like she deserved. Oh, really? For her comedy they special. Gave it to, uh, what she call it? Right, uh, oh. Amy Schumer or something. They gave what? The her contract. That's what she was disputing, right? The guys no, got more, give, and then well, the, yeah. and Amy came in and got paid something, and she couldn't get what she wanted. And... Yeah, she, yeah, she used them as a reference point. Right. Like, okay, well, if you guys are, I think Monique believes that because she has an Oscar, that mm-hmm. means something in the world of a special, yeah, a comedy special. And unfortunately, it doesn't. But it's double sided. Like, also there is colorism and there is. Uh, sexism, mm-hmm. you know, especially in stand-up comedy. So it's it's a it's a it's a bunch of things. They'll give somebody that's more popular. They'll give a black woman that's more popular than Monique more money because they they just know they're going to be able to sell the units. Yeah. You know, it's like it's just that's just business. Yeah. Um, but Monique's thing is like principle. Like, no, if I'm one of the greats, which that's debatable. But I mean, you know, um, she just you know it's. So she's been in the media. The most yeah. recent thing when Roseanne got fired, Monique Yo, was the first yeah. one to jump on a bandwagon yeah. and say she's not racist. What she said wasn't right. Like uh-huh. Monique's been out there. Oh, I haven't but really. Kudos, heard. kudos to you for avoiding it. Yeah, she was I, in something I, I, called I, Bessie in 2015. Um, well, she was in a the movie biopic about Bessie Smith, a blues singer. Mm-hmm. So. There you oh. go. Who played Bessie? Queen Latifah, right? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I know. Okay. I never saw that movie, but yeah, I remember seeing it around. So yeah, she did a movie. That. She did a movie recently. It came out the same year one of Amy Schumer's movies came mm-hmm. out, and it grossed more at the box more office. Than, yep. And mm-hmm. so she felt like, oh, well, if I'm not a draw, and you you guys are saying she's a draw, then why am I doing this at the, the you know? Yeah, so, it was like the last movie I remember seeing her in was in Precious. Is that what she won the Oscar for? Yeah. Yeah, that was her big, last biggest. Yeah. Oh, that was a bad role though i mean she didn't act act, her acting was fine but her character oh yeah Yeah, i mean i read the book push when i was young oh did you yeah most black girls did okay (laughs) (laughs) yeah seriously most black girls there's a certain like there's certain books that when you like grow up in inner cities Mm -hmm. by black authors Mm -hmm. that we just you know, like I found out a lot about like down like like gay men uh, through like Eric Jerome Dickey books. You know, like oh, really? there's just certain books that certain books in an African American community, yeah, like the teenager. Like I graduated, like I feel like I read Push right after the Babysitters, Babysitters Club. Club. Yep. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. Babysitters Club was like fifth grade. It's my and, handed to us. Yep. Yeah, the moment oh. I got to middle school, they were like, choose your own books. <laughs> okay, it's just like. This poor fat teenager. I want to know about this. I know it was a very sad story. I felt very. It's t- it's a awful. I cried. Yeah, and Monique deserved her Oscar. I think she did yeah. great. But things have been a bit different for her since, since then. That, that yeah, that's when it sort of shifted for Monique. Normally, it would have been positive for people, but for, for Monique, it shifted in a kind of negative way. Okay. Well, bringing up Roseanne, what do you think Ooh. that whole? Uh, do you think she should have gotten fired? Because I've heard a lot of people go back and... Well, no, like, I mean, some people say, should she have gotten fired? 
or I mean, I understand why ABC probably decided because they're, they're they're kind of putting out that no tolerance. That was a business move, yeah. You know, but it's like I don't know. Did it get blown out of proportion? Because then you see on the other side, there's a lot of people saying similar things, but they're not losing their jobs or. Because we talked about it a couple weeks ago, like Alec Baldwin has said pretty oh, gnarly things out there in public. And mm-hmm. he don't care. And he doesn't get chastised or punished or, you know what I'm saying? So it's like. Well, that's the sex thing again, too. Yeah, I was about to say that's the sexism. You got a man but saying something and a woman saying yeah. Women aren't supposed to I'm, speak no, I'm not trying to say that I agree with Roseanne because I don't agree. And yeah. she offended. She, she, she said something that directly relates to her boss, mm-hmm. you know, at the time. Um, but like the, the, the probably equivalent for Alec Baldwin right now is if we find out that he's touching on somebody inappropriately, then he loses. That's, that's how we're reprimanding men Uh today is with the me too. Yeah. Is any sort of sexual harassment. Okay. Yeah. Um, Cause I was just, I was just wondering, cause I'm like, I, I don't get this, you know, one person says one thing and somebody else says something similar, but the consequences are so different. You know what I mean? So it's like, that's exactly how I feel when like unarmed black guys get shot. Mm-hmm. And the cops don't go. To it. Yeah. I mean, seriously, like the way that you put that is like what happens to a, a black person in the legal system versus a non-black person or a white person in the league in the American legal system. Mm-hmm. It's your same sentiment. Like, I don't even understand. Yeah, it's like how I have weed and he has weed and he got let go and I got four years. Yeah, that's not. That should be either both of you get four years or, or both, both of us get let go. Pay the fine and yeah, walk away. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's it's bizarre to me how everything. And I think um, I don't know. Right. It got real serious. But <laughs> I think it's going to take these away. I think it's. Oh, Andy's got too many cookies going. He's going to chow them over there. Thank you. Thank you. No, you need some milk. No, I think it's. I think it's a good topic to talk about and to get different people's perspectives, you know, and I, what I think is important is to have those discussions, knowing what you know, knowing what I know, and just have that open mindedness to say, okay, now I know where you're thinking. This is how I'm thinking. Where can we come and meet Mm -hmm. versus arguing about it? Because that's what's going on today. If you don't like somebody's politics, you hate them. If you don't like how they address somebody, you hate them, Mm -hmm. you know, and it, you know, racism has been thrown out there. Sexism. It's just like um, you get to the point where you just don't even want to talk to anybody anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's how I feel with social media. Like, that's probably why I didn't know about Monique, because I don't go on social she media did, yeah, pretty much anymore for my own personal use. It's mostly just for the mm-hmm. podcast and all that, because mm-hmm. I can't take it yeah. anymore. Yeah. Reading through some of these this stuff, I literally started feeling angry all the time yeah. and i'm like why am i even angry this does not even affect me and i'm like i'm just gonna pay attention to my own life i'm not gonna worry about what's going on i'll look at news like breaking news like for natural disasters and mm-hmm. you know weather or or stuff like that but when it comes to all these politics and this back and forth <laughs> between you know he said she said the me too movement i i've, I've done i'm done 
Yeah, I, I think the internet and social media is probably the best and worst thing that has ever happened. Yes, yes, I think it's to us. I, 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 honestly, I think it's tearing society apart. But we weren't ready for it. No, it's not a good at all. thing, but people just we weren't, weren't ready. ready for well, it. Well, there's a responsibility to be had with it, and nobody takes that responsibility on. So they just put things out there, and you know. It is what it is, and they just don't care. Yeah. And, I mean, the reality is we're all human beings. We're all flawed. We're mm-hmm. all afraid. We're all angry. We're all happy. We're all jealous. Mm-hmm. And you get to be, uh, you know how they say, um, oh, you see who a person really is when they drink. Mm-hmm. Or when they, I feel like social media is like that as well. Yeah. You see, because you get to hide to a certain extent. And you see at least what people really want to be. Yeah. Well, we got to take a quick break and we'll talk more about this topic of social media and how it's destroying society. (laughs) But yeah, we have Zainab Johnson in studio. She's going to be at House of Comedy this weekend. All right, we'll be back on the Tom Bernard Show. Just like all of you, I'd been hearing about MyPillow and was skeptical that it's as great as everyone says. Well, I received my first MyPillow and I love it because I have a pretty big melon, pretty big head and my pillow will prop it right up. I can get my neck aligned, and I sleep very well because of it. Mike Lindell, the inventor of My Pillow, has a very special offer for my listeners. My Pillow is offering buy one My Pillow and get another absolutely free. Don't delay. Order now. This offer expires August first. If you're looking for a great night's sleep, now is the perfect time to get your first My Pillow. If you already know how great the My Pillow is, why not give them to everyone you know? Call eight hundred five one six five one four six. Use the promo code TOM or go to MyPillow.com, but make sure to use the promo code TOM. Call 1-800-516-5146 and use promo code TOM. Tom Bernard here to tell you, Priority Courier Experts has immediate openings for drivers looking for more. Priority drivers are independent contractors who set their own hours, start from their own driveways, and deliver local on-call parcels and freight, which means you're home for dinner every night, and you get paid weekly. Right now, Priority's driver-friendly lease-to-own program has brand-new dock trucks, flatbeds, curtain sides, and tractor trailers just waiting to be driven home. And Priority's also offering a $4,000 sign-on bonus to qualified drivers. So if you've got the skills, we can get you qualified to start driving a brand-new truck in as little as three days. Calling all drivers. Come get the $4,000 sign-on bonus you deserve for all the knowledge and experience you bring to the delivery business. Call Roger or Eddie right now at 651-748-4477 or visit them online at Priority.com. Priority Courier Experts. Every time you call us, we deliver. A little Yacht Rock to calm us down. Yacht Rock. That is what I call it. I find it funny. They redid this song. Did they? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the Killers. Oh yeah, you just told me it's it on was the radio the, right yeah. now. <gasps> the Killers read it. I, I think it's the it Killers. Up. It's really good. I like it. Really? Yeah, I, I thought it was good. Oh wait, it's it's a Weezer. Oh I think. Weezer. Sorry, yeah. I get them confused. Well, they're the same. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like they're the same. A little bit. They're basically the same. <laughs> the other day we were, went to go music. see uh, the Meg. Okay. And we um, at Southdale, and there's this pizza place there called DeLeo's. And it's an 80s throwback pizza place where they have arcade games and they have all this 80s memorabilia on the wall. And it's funny because I walk around and I'm like, oh, my God, we had that on my wall. We right, had that right. on our wall. We had that painting. Um, but uh, 
my kids wanted to play a song on the jukebox and they have, you know, they have, so they put in their money or whatever and Toto Africa was the song they picked. And my kids love the eighties music. So it's just funny how, uh, and he's like, and he goes, do you like the song I picked mom? And I'm like, yeah, yeah I guess it's a good choice. I think that's part of the problem when he took the music and art and all that crap out of the schools, man. That's what's half of the thing. You know what I mean? Kept yeah. around it. Yeah, they should have. I, I think it's good for kids to be creative. And I mean, they do have like those performing arts schools. So they don't have art in school anymore? They do, it's, but it's... It's not offered as, as widespread as it was. Like, when we went to school, mm. that was a part of your everyday curriculum. Yeah. yeah. Art, music, uh-huh. gym, yeah, yeah. wood shop, home yep. Now it's like... Now it's extracurricular. Yeah. 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 It's an option it, now. It, 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 it should be mandatory, I think. You think it should be an option? No, no, no. I'm saying that when At least they, they cut budget, when budget cuts, it's the first thing to go. Right. Mm-hmm. It's going to be arts... Athletic, you know, See, and, and so if the school still at least gives it as an option, and that's better. Some schools don't, don't have all. any, yeah. like, mm-hmm. well, like my kids, when they have like what they do now is they have alternate days, like one day's a green day, one day's a red day, right? Right, right. So on green days, they'll have gym, and like on red days, they'll have like a music or an art mm-hmm. or something okay. like that. So but it's something. like, mm-hmm. why can't they combine some like put health with physical education? Right, that's what they did with us. I took the mm-hmm. same health class for four years. Yep. That's something can be put in the budget cut, not mm-hmm. instruments, yeah. you know yeah. what I'm saying? And I that's think it's, true important that a lot of these kids what do they teach in health i don't know if i ever took health or sex ed in school oh well we took the same it was like the same health class from uh my freshman year to my senior year in high school it just taught the same stuff basics Um, of your body anatomy uh sex education um, we had to do i remember doing the dare program Mm. for drugs Mm. and stuff like that but it was like the same class every year. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was like, why am I, I? I quit going to that class. I'm like, I'm wasting my time. I would rather go do something that's more educational and something I'm learning <laughs> because I already know all this stuff. Yeah. But you there need you the credit. I'm like, well, then give me a different class so I can get the credit for it. Because I said, I'm not wasting my time. <laughs> like, all right. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the schools, the way they structure their education is just bizarre. And that that's another reason why I could not be a teacher because I could not handle the way they do things and how you can't you can't do like this the bu- bureaucracy of it right, yeah right. that and like if, if a child is struggling you there's nothing you can do really as a teacher you know especially if they're struggling personally mm-hmm. you know they don't want you to be a counselor to yeah. a child they want their professional people which isn't really going to do any much different than a teacher like the teachers i feel today their hands are so tied mm-hmm you know, they have no, nope. um, and like I hear a lot of the um, teachers, they have to fork out their own money for mm-hmm. supplies for the classrooms, mm-hmm. which I am kind of leery about because when I see my son's, you know, supply list, he has to bring in like six boxes of crayons. And I'm like, how is he going to go through six boxes of crayons? Well, the, it is my child. He likes to break them. But you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking what they're doing is they're doing that purposely so that 
the teachers kind of have a stockpile yeah. uh, of supplies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm like, there's no. And re- I'm not upset at that because no. what happened to the village raises the child. We got Boxes away from of crayons that. are cheap. They're, you know what I mean? This time of year, they're like 25 cents for Crayola. Yeah, so. and I mean, if you send your kid in without the six boxes, they're not penalized, right? No, no, no. no, no yeah, no. that's just like a suggested mm-hmm. list. My problem is, is that you go to these stores and with these supply lists, and some of the stuff they have are so obscure, you can't find them anywhere, and or the every store you go to is they're out of stock. Yeah. on it because yeah. it's just like, oh my god! So you're you're literally running around town to find a certain felt pen. Yeah, for your son because <laughs> they want it black and it has to be those flare pens and i can't find them anywhere and it's frustrating me jb's well, it's, it's here especially weird because <clears throat> the amount of government spending per child in schools is some huge amount but yes. it's like where is the money going where does it go i don't yeah, know if they can't it's, afford 20 felt pens yeah I mean, Come it's on. tied up in administrative costs it probably is yeah right? um, mm-hmm. well you know, you have your principal and your vice principal and this person and that person, and they make Board very good money. Yeah. So, and, I, you know, I have a brother who just retired being a principal, uh, two sisters who were teachers, mm-hmm. uh, a sister-in-law who's a th- uh, speech therapist, as I slur my words. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so my family's all about education. and. Mm-hmm. You know, you talk about the crayons. Yes, it's the stockpile and to take care of those who don't have anything. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of money is wasted on, like it's, I shouldn't say wasted, but a lot of money is spent on uh, amen, the administrator's salaries yeah. and whatnot. It's not going to the teachers. We spend $12,000 per student K-12 per year. So that's a lot of money. money right. You got a 30 uh classroom of 30 kids you know that's like almost four hundred thousand dollars where is it going i don't know it's um it's a a a question that's never answered i mean i work on a college campus and And post that's post-secondary is college right right uh that is thirty thousand dollars per full-time student right and yeah that's always going up but nobody can answer the question where is it going where is it going yeah, there's no, no accountability for it. I, it. No, I mean, I don't know. I know the state of Minnesota, we spend a lot per pupil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do. Now, where, how about like New York? Do you know? Like how? Andy probably could tell I you. I can look that <laughs> yeah. up. But the, the thing is. New York is the number one in terms of spending. per student spending. Yes, uh, $21,000 per student So Chicago's probably got to be similar to that, too. Uh, Alaska's number two. What? That's bizarre. Okay, sure. <laughs> Why not? Well, it probably costs a lot more to get people to teach there. Oh, well, yeah, that's for you. <laughs> yeah, to, sh- to ship a box of crayons over there probably costs $500. But, then you, but get... then you look at states that don't spend a lot of money on their students and their education levels. It's better. No, they're god-awful. Really? Mm-hmm. Like Alabama and Arkansas. And, I lived and, in Montgomery, Alabama for a year, and you were absolutely right on that. No, well, the school system yeah. is horrible. And they still paddle your child. I had to sign papers, I remember, because we argued about this. <laughs> I'm not, you're not beating my kid. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? But that's their thing in the school system. You have to sign paperwork saying that the principal, the teacher, the counselor, whoever can put hands, paddle 
on your child. Like, get the, but then they come home dumb as I don't know what. Get, right. get out of here. Come on. That's so, bizarre that that's know, still, cap- still happening. Yeah. Do they consider that capital punishment? That's then? their, yeah, that's Cor- their Cor- way. Cor- you Cor- can't Cor- come Cor- in there and pop your child, but they can. I said, get out of here. That that's make no bizarre. Sense to me. I didn't know that was still going we on. We snatched them out. It didn't last. Alabama <laughs> is... It was very, very stupid. Yeah. I've been to Alabama. Alabama. The last to do everything. Alabama's yeah. like, you're not going to vote. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's- Alabama. Yeah, it was a fun. I got <laughs> out of there. But they, you know, like we spend a lot here, but I see our kids, My, I raised my son here, um, being a heck of a lot more educated. Mm-hmm. And he went to, you know, he went to public schools. Yeah. And his public high school is always in the top 300 in the country. Mm-hmm. It's a Southwest uh, high school in Minneapolis, but it's always in the top 300 public or private. Yeah. So we we get a little bit better bang for our bucks buck here in this state than a lot of other places do. Well, I, I don't know, man, because I've gone in my kids' classrooms, this technology they have... They got like this, they don't call it, they have a whiteboard, but then they have a smart board. Yep. Where it's like a touch screen. I'm like, what is, this is like Star Trek stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you guys are coming out, you know, dumber than stumps here. What's going on, you know? And they, I mean, I remember transparencies. Do you remember those when mm-hmm. you'd write the teacher mm-hmm. would be, and that's how she'd show us how to do math. And mm-hmm. we had actual chalkboards. And I mean, that's all we had. And we had a calculator. I think that made an effect on us. Our generations, like we was talking about earlier, with the differences along the way, I think that hurt us, man. Taking, but, but, but I think it's necessary to mm-hmm. advance technologically yes. in the classroom yes. as the yeah. world advances yeah. because you're not the the jobs, especially the industries that are that will at least keep our country competing. Right. Mm-hmm. There's no way we can do that you know like 20 years ago um running an app was not a uh, it was not a job so you cannot teach the same thing yeah in schools now for you know potential jobs yeah i don't know i i'm I'm just kind of torn with it because i almost see with my kids it's making them more lazy because they're having the technology do everything for them i agree with the technology yeah well but when the world becomes i mean Computers made a lot of things a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and the technology shouldn't be doing the work with them, but using the, the you know, learning how to use the technology and apply it is something that definitely yeah. should right. be happening. Like, just because you have a calculator doesn't mean that that's not supposed to replace you being able to add and subtract. Yeah, right. right. But well, at a certain level of math, there's no way around it. You need a graphing calculator. You need, like, you, yeah. you just yeah. need it. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, just to mention, like, having, and I remember in high school doing, you know, algebra and all them things, you still had your, your graphic calculator, and I could not figure out how to use that thing. Yeah. I, I never learned how, how to use, use my yeah. So it's yeah. like, so it's like, even with a calculator that you think does everything for yeah, you, you, you have, have to, to know how to use it. Yeah. I just remember sticking in the three and a half by five floppy drive and playing Oregon Trail. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, That's what the, first I time I ever, the first time I ever used a computer was yeah. at yeah. my school because they were the first ones to have oh, one. Oh, yeah, it was so cool. You had like this, in the screen was, you know, like yep. five by five, five yep. and yep. it was like orange. Twelve or colors, green yeah. Green block letters. And, I, I and to see that. how it's come and how kids are advancing it's just, it's so, it blows my mind. It does. I, I, I know you were saying that your kids seem to be lacking in some things, and that's mm-hmm. because we are, 
uh, teaching technology, using technology, but there are things that competencies that we're not using in teaching anymore, like history. History, and that's mm-hmm. what I mean. History is, has been forsaken, and kids have no basis from that. it yeah. unless their yeah. parents have taught exactly. them. I'm always, I'm always, you know, um, having my kids overachieve when it comes to what they lack in school and like then you take the initiative to look it up Mm -hmm. and my oldest boy who's autistic he loves information so he's Mm -hmm. a big huge history buff and he's so cute because i call him my little johnny five because he'll like when he finds out of a topic and it's interesting to him he's got to find everything about that topic Mm -hmm. so he's gone through his periods where he's going back in history and I'll kind of take them down this rabbit hole. I'm like, well, here's something you probably didn't know that they don't teach you in school or, you know, things like that. So we're always doing stuff like that with the kids. And I, I think one of the reasons, and I sit on the fence with this, I think one of the reasons that they're scrapping history is because now with the access to information, mm-hmm. you realize what was being taught in history has been live. Mm-hmm. Right. And so but- instead of going back and trying teaching or changing the curriculum to teach what is a more factual um, depiction of the past. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, we don't want to do that either. Yeah. So let's just leave it alone for a little while. Obviously, I'm the oldest person in the room. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously. (laughs) Obviously. And I went to a Catholic grade school growing up. Believe it or not, it was an all-black Catholic grade school in St. Louis. And... One of the things was my uh, sixth, seventh, eighth grade uh, history teacher, you know, was the same person, um, was the first one that started laying down facts on don't believe everything you, you're going to read in this book, you know, because things have, um, you know, and she, you know, we would talk about slave, slavery in a very different way than other places talked about it and you know she brought it but that the reason why the whole the war was fought yes it was over slavery but it wasn't over the fact that they wanted to free people it was over the fact that the south had a uh, free access to uh labor that was making them richer Mm-hmm. And you know, as a sixth grade kid, you're like, "Whoa, I've never heard this before." Mm-hmm. So you can, you can teach history. Mm-hmm. You can teach the corrected mistakes. Mm-hmm. I believe to- I believe you can too. But I think that the teacher that you speak about is mm-hmm. an anomaly. Right. Mm-hmm. I think for the most part, what's taught, like wh- when I think about history, if when I was in school, the thing that we learned a little bit about was Martin Luther King during. <laughs> February. Right. right. But what's completely inaccurate is the story of Christopher Columbus, which was a major part of certain history lessons for me in elementary school. So I'm not saying it can't be done. I'm just talking about the system. Mm-hmm. Most individuals have some concrete solution to these problems, but the but it doesn't work for the system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that your teacher, while she sounds amazing and i'm a lot of us has had that one amazing teacher that we can speak about but in terms of the system that doesn't that's not the case unfortunately well you're you're you were a science i was science so science is super regulated you can only in in any public school you can only do teach one theory of of science Mm -hmm. um 
and there's multiple different theories. I mean, I mean, it brings religion in, and and that's part of the reason. But you can teach it. You can teach other viewpoints of of science just to just to give everything just to put everything out on the table for somebody and not suggest anything which way and i had a teacher that did that we learned like life science and we learned you know um both darwinism versus you know creationism and all these different aspects he didn't tell us what he thinks about anything he just yeah, laid it good. all on the table mm-hmm. because he wanted to give students the opportunity to choose what they think Mm -hmm. or feel is more correct Mm -hmm. and you can't technically do that like he couldn't teach it as this is what the school stands for but he could teach it yeah so it's like if teachers just took yeah the opportunity to do that i'm sorry so sorry but the fact that you said an all black school that means even saying the reason for the war most black people feel like the war was (laughs) it's not until you get until you diversify that student portfolio that you realize there's conflicting issues Mm -hmm. and stories and beliefs okay well uh we have zainab she's going to be at house of comedy you can go see her uh she's got a friday night tonight show at 7 30 and 9 45 then saturday 7 p.m and 9 30 and then she'll be here sunday at 7 p.m so you can check out i'll put a link up to go buy tickets if you'd like um but thank you for coming in it was great meeting you Shy. Always. Yeah, and we'll get see you guys next week. We'll be right Thank back you. here on the Tom Bernard Show with uh, Brooks Wheelin at Acme.